I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for another set of episodes from American Touching Evil, which is just out there crushing it every week. I do not know why this did not continue. Why didn't this this keep running? After the 13 episodes. Why would you stop making this show? I have no idea. I mean, here is my my one uh, theory, right? Which is, my my one theory is that, and this is going to sound maybe silly, you can tell me what you think. I think it might have been too dark for the audience at the USA Network. Like, you look at what the USA Network makes. This is this is the network that Monk built. And even though it is a lot less horrible than the original version, this is a pretty bleak show, too. It's a pretty rough show. And, like, it's, it's rougher than Law & Order Sex Crimes. Oh, yeah. It's a lot rougher than Law & Order Sex Crimes. Like, this is rougher than comparative, like, shows on television right now. This is millennium-level rough. And, you know, Millennium had plenty of trouble staying on the air, too. It only stayed on the air because, like, The X-Files was such a juggernaut that Chris Carter, you know, could convince the network to keep it on. Yeah. Right? And we'll talk about that more as we watch Millennium in the future. Whereas this, like... It is so off. I, I was about to say it's so off brand for the USA network. It's off brand for any network at the time. Yeah. CSI because, wasn't this rough. No, and we did watch, right? We did watch the ads for it. Yeah. It compares itself to CSI and to Law and Order and something else. And and yeah. and it it does say it's more gritty or whatever. And in it the is. Ad. Like, that's not just branding. It It really is. Yeah. And that you're right. No, it doesn't sound silly because we come off watching the British version, which is really bleak and dark. Yeah. And this seems like such a relief. But you compare it to like regular American cop shows and you compare it to Monk. Yes. And okay. Yes. Monk made the USA Network. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, Monk was yeah. this giant hit for them. And, yeah. like, you look at the other non-Monk shows they did, and it was just, like, quirky detective solving murders. Whereas this is not about quirky detective solving murders. No, this is... No, yeah, that probably is... For us, it was one thing, It's but, light and a breath wow. of fresh air. Like, but we just watched Cracker. You know, we just watched a British Touching Evil. We just watched Wire in the Blood. This seems like, you know, a walk in the park compared to what we normally watch. Yeah, but well, for an American uh, audience. Yeah. And the USA Network? On the USA Network. You know, the fun, relax and watch a crime show kind of network. I don't know. Like, could should they have tried to sell this to HBO? You know? Maybe that would have gotten them there better. Yeah, that might have gotten them there. Yeah, but anyway, we'll talk about it going forward. And we'll see if we can find anything about about uh, why it was canceled and what the story was there. So, you know, like if we can find some stuff out, we'll let you know. Because it's like there is a history of shows getting canceled just because they were too bleak for a network. I mean, 
our beloved show, Brimstone. You remember Brimstone? No, I remember Brimstone. I remember loving Brimstone. Magical show. Uh, John Glover in literally the best uh, performance of the devil ever. Right? I put him up there with, like, just best. I don't know who I would put up with him. I love the show Lucifer, but, I mean, John Glover, boom, that's your devil. Yeah. And that show got canceled. Super highly rated. Lots of people were watching it. The Murdochs just didn't like it. Yeah. The Murdochs thought it was too dark. And so it got canceled on Fox. They just didn't want to make it. I mean... That kind of stuff happens. Frank's Place, unbelievably popular TV show about a guy running a bar in New Orleans. And they did an episode critiquing, you know, the the stock market and using junk bonds to, right, using junk bonds to destroy, you know, corporations and corporate rating and leverage buyouts and how it was destroying America. And the network got taken over by a group of people who did it through leverage buyouts and all that. And they're like, hey, let's cancel this show that has criticized us publicly. Well, and then there's... Um, I was oh, thinking... Although, by the way, you remember our beloved show Snoops with uh, Tim Reed? Yes. That's why that got on the air. They were legally required. They had already renewed Frank's Place for a second season when the new owner came in and canceled it. So they were legally required to give uh, Tim Reed any show he wanted to make for 13 episodes on television. And he's like, great, I'll do uh, Nick and Nora, but we're black. Yeah. <laughs> With my wife. And he's like, boom. Because yeah. he's like, he he had, and I mean, God, that should have kept going, but that's a whole other story. But I mean, it didn't get promoted because the network was real mad at him because, you know, he forced them to make a show. Yeah. And it's 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 very interesting because it's like when we were watching, you know, the the show, The Inside. Oh, The, the Inside, Inside, perfect example. Yeah, perfect. Way example. too dark for Fox. Yeah, should have never been. It's like so many shows. Fox it's like is, action. You put that on cable, it runs forever. Yeah. You put it on Fox, and they kill it. Yeah, the Weinstein's. Oh God, the Weinstein episode of that. I just love the Weinstein episode, even more so now. Even more so now that we know that it was all based on fact. Please, maybe I should show the Weinstein episode to my class. Yeah, let them understand <laughs> that. And then tell them, oh yeah, uh, oh, and by the way, Ileana Douglas wanted to quit the show because she didn't realize when she signed up how rough it was going to be about uh, the, you know, the media. And uh -huh. right. And the like sexual harassment in the media and it brought back and she got horrifically triggered about her sexual assault by Sumner Redstone. Yeah. And so she explained that's why she wanted to quit the show. And they were like, hey, so since you're quitting anyway, could we, you know, use your character to do an episode about how the Weinsteins are, you know, monsters? Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, OK. Yeah, we'll do the Weinsteins. We'll do the Weinsteins know. and then I'll check out. Yeah. <laughs> and then the show got checked out. So there you go. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's... Uh, God, action was the best. But anyway, so the point is, what we're leading up to is, like, fundamentally, it seems crazy to us that, you know, this show didn't run. But, I mean, there's a good reason. I think there's a good reason for it. And I think that it's like they just, they couldn't handle it. 
Yeah, I, I think the network couldn't handle it. And that doesn't surprise me yeah. um, when when I think about it, because this one is. I mean, when you think, I mean, we're thinking in terms of, oh, thank God they split episodes and they took things from different episodes yeah. and integrated them where they thought they would fit better um, in terms of telling stories, right? Mm -hmm. Because they can't be telling every story, just breaking it down into 47 minutes. Yep. And it works so much better. We understand Dave Cregan so much better. Oh my God. They make the connections between the story and everything. He's all the stories they tell yep. and what it's going through, like particularly when they did Memorial, the second one. Yep. I didn't think that, like, I still think the the first one we watched. Um, slash. Oh, slash, right? Yeah. I, I, I think it could have been better. I mean, it was really nice seeing Sebastian. Oh, yeah. No, Sebastian Roche is fantastic. Yeah, but here's the thing. Yeah. Um, they had to rush over some stuff. But yeah. this is so much better than the original version. Well, it is because it gives it gives what's her face Susan Susan a reason like this had been an ongoing relationship. Yeah, she's known him for years. Years. He was very supportive. Her right? her fiance killed himself, and he, the reporter on the beat, you know, essentially did not cover it in a sensational fashion. He yeah. made sure that it was not covered sensationally. Yes, and, and so like, he kept her out of it as a favor. And they were, and he, you know, and he had always said, whenever you're ready. Exactly. You know? like, and he'd been there for her and through the worst of things. And so they'd had a prior relationship, which made a hell of a lot more sense. Than what we saw in the original, finally, where she's suddenly sleeping with this guy because. Why? Well, no, I mean, the, the reason is, well, because none of the men on her team will listen to her. Okay. Yeah, and this is the one not, piece of characterization we're ever going to give Susan? Fantastic. Yeah. Whereas here, you understand why she ended up in bed with him. Okay. Yep. This makes sense. Thank also, you. it helps that he looks like Sebastian Roche. <laughs> I mean, you know, nothing against the guy from the original. It's just, you know, Sebastian Roche is a super handsome dude. Well, excuse me, James Nesbitt. I know, I'm not saying James Nesbitt isn't good looking at all, but Sebastian Roche, I think you'll, you'll agree, is on a different level than James Nesbitt. Handsome wise. Depends. Uh, I think so one half dozen another. Okay, there you go. Uh, we all have our own preferences, okay? True. I'm just saying. All right. Um, um, but anyway. Yes, he was such a slimy character on Criminal Minds. Oh, he was. He but come on, we loved Clive. Uh, yes, and we anyway, loved he was right about everything. Yes, he was. He was right There's about no everything, Clive. So, you know, just don't be too hard on Clive. Man was right about everything and nobody listened to him and everybody got killed but Clive because they didn't listen to him. Yeah, <laughs> he tried. He tried. He you tried. Know? And he was slimy. You're not wrong, but, you know. He was also right about everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But anyway, the point it's is... It's so nice to have the Criminal Minds connection. It is. it is. It is great to have a Criminal Minds connection. But, like, it's... 
it's a much better episode because by making Lainey less obviously villainous, yeah, their actions make so much more sense. Like in the original, right? They uncover that he's got 50 hours of tapes. Yeah. Right? Of him talking to this guy. Right? And well, he hides the one tape where he just full on talks about how he's going to kill him. And yeah, but he's still got 50 hours of tapes of talking to this guy. And it never once mentioned it while you were trying to capture this killer for weeks or months. Yeah. Right? And so obviously he's sinister, obviously. And by that point, there's already been two copycat murders. Whereas this time, there haven't been any copycat murders, and he's got just one tape. And he says, the one tape is, and the one tape is, from last year, right? When he was investigating and talking to this guy with a violent history. And yeah, it turns out it was the killer, but he can make the plausible argument that he didn't know that guy was the killer they were looking for. Well, he does. He yeah. makes the plausible argument that the guy he talked on the phone about the guy's fantasies and murder, right? He had no way of knowing that that was the same guy who was sending him hangman letters about all of this stuff. Yeah, you know, now it was a little because there he is, you know, paying for the guy's apartment and oh yeah, all the other things. Like, like it was, you know. Laney was still pretty slimy because... Oh, he was. I'm not saying he was innocent. I'm saying he can make a much better case yes. than he could in the original. Yeah, which was 50, you know, 50 tapes in the original. You're going, uh, all, all we did was go, why isn't he top of the list? Exactly. And Whereas here, was... there haven't been, all they can accuse him of is like looking the other way while this guy was killing women because it was good for his story, which might yeah. not even be illegal. Yeah. Like, that's the problem. It, what he was doing might not even be a crime. No, because, because he is not under the, under the protocol of having to report yeah. this. But, but he can argue that he didn't know this guy was actually killing because it's not like the guy's going to testify against him. <laughs> like, he handled it much better than in the original. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. It's just, he was, it was just what he did was so unpalatable. Oh my God. He basically pushed this guy into. Oh yeah. Into targeting the women that he was obsessed and angry with. Yeah. Like he used the guy as a weapon. Yes. And that's why it's, it's a more complicated and in some ways more villainous because in the original, Lainey was pulled into this guy's world of self-empowerment by murdering women. Yeah. Whereas this time, like, there's, is it just that this Lainey was angry at the women, or is it partially that this Lainey knows it's going to be a better story if yeah. he's killing more high-profile women? Yeah. That there's and no that's... story if he's just killing prostitutes, uh, you know, sex workers yeah, and who work that's... at truck stops. That's basically what he was saying. Yeah. Right. In those, in the t one tape that they have. And this yeah. is why he's so afraid. And you have Mark also being the one that, that shoots Laney. Mm -hmm. But Susan isn't screaming mad at him. Nobody's David. No, no one's mad at him. No, you can tell that in the next episode. There's no reason to be. It was a justified shooting because. 
It is completely ambiguous whether he was raising the gun to hang or hand it to her or whether he was raising it to shoot her. We have no idea what his intent was. No, we have no idea. All we know is that he was lifting the gun and Mark was 30 feet away through a glass door and couldn't hear what was going on. And no one questions that Mark did the right thing. No. There is no gaslighting of Mark this time. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing that we got so upset about. (laughs) Yes, we did. It's like, structurally, it's way better. Yeah, it is from beginning to end. Do I, you know, it's, um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, if, if you didn't have some of the, like, I really did like James Nesbitt. I know. I mean, it's, we love James Nesbitt. His performance, right? But the whole episode was such a mess. Yeah. Right? That, uh, yeah, this yeah. guy who's crumbling. But the problem is, he has this great performance as a guy who's completely collapsing, and yet none of the characters, like, take... None of the characters, for for no reason, could imagine for a second that he might be the killer. Yeah. This guy who's collapsing in front of them and talked to a serial killer for 50 hours and lied to the team about it. It doesn't occur to any of them for one second that he could possibly be the killer. Yeah, whereas in this case, it is Sebastian Roche, who is doing shadier, more like, well, not as shady, because again, 50 hours of tapes and lying to them, but doing equally as shady stuff. There haven't been any killings yet. No. So it makes sense. Right? Because there haven't been any killings yet, obviously they're not going to follow him. Obviously they're not going to pull him and then massively interrogate him because he hasn't done anything they can arrest him for. Whereas Lainey, there's been these two brutal murders of women that Lainey previously had... Oh, no, sorry. One brutal murder. uh, The other woman killed herself. I forgot. But anyway, like Laney drives a woman to suicide and then the next woman he's targeting gets brutally murdered in a copycat killing of the guy Laney just spent 50 hours, uh, right? Serial killer Laney just spent 50 hours talking to. He's the pri- he's not only the prime suspect, he's the only suspect and nobody acts like it. Whereas here, like they have to let him go because they're ha- he hasn't done anything. No, he yet. hasn't done anything yet. And then he goes out and he's pissed off and he's angry and and a all woman questions him, and it all the rage comes out. Yeah, and all the rage comes out, and as he says to Susan, she's the only one I killed. Mm-hmm. But that's not good enough, right? God, yeah. no. And, and given that he's holding a gun, and yes, it might be ambiguous, but you can't blame Mark for thinking it's... No, and, and that's the key part. Nobody right. does. No. Nobody decides that, like, this is... But then again... It's not coming in the heels of them all being Mar- uh, uh, angry at Mark for not shooting that guy in the back and all of that nonsense. Yeah. I, I Okay, I can't compare these two episodes, right, that we yeah. watched for this episode. And the next one, I think that the, the job they did with... The Memorial- way they fixed war relief? Oh, my God. It's a completely different and superior in every way episode. Like, I'm sitting here, remember my complaint was it would have been better if they had made it about soldiers. Well, that's what <laughs> that's they did. That's exactly what they did. I mean, it's like they were listening to us 20 years ago. <laughs> Not that we thought that 20 years ago. <laughs> well, no, of course, but it's it's crazy. It makes so yeah. much more sense if this is about soldiers 
than if it's about, you know, people working for the Red Cross. Yeah. And yet that's exactly what they did. I was so blown away when I'm watching. I'm like, they're making the episode we described. Yeah. And it makes a lot more sense. Oh, and yeah. they integrate it. They they integrate it so much with Dave's brain problems. Like we yep. spend a lot of time with him and his his children this episode. Like we're moving on to the second episode. Oh no, but first before we get to the second episode, like you um uh because the stuff with his kids in the first episode is interesting too. Because yeah. like it really it sets up the stuff that's gonna be in the second episode, which is yeah him being completely disconnected from who his kids are and what they want. Yeah. And he just has this idea of children as innocence. And I'm not saying he's exploiting them for that. No. But it's like you but, have that thing of him getting them jack-in-the-boxes, which are, you know, for three-year-olds. Yeah, and what he, what they wanted was a seal and what was the A other? turtle. But the point is, a he gets the two of them the same thing. He doesn't even yeah. see them as, you know, uh, in, individual people. Yes. And his wife does call. It's it's very nice that you don't have the extraneous boyfriend. Yeah. That's complicating stuff for no reason. Yeah, that complicates things for no reason, as you say. Yeah. Um, because she calls him on it. Mm-hmm. She said, she just looked at him. She said, but they wanted a seal and a turtle. They asked for specific things. Yeah. And it's like, so who is this? Who is this gift for? Gift for yeah. you, or them. Yeah, and it's, it's for, and it's, and it's obviously for him and his idea of what his children should be, because again, he's still thinking of them as you know babies. <laughs> he's thinking and of them as avatars of innocence rather than like their own people with their own. Well, interests. he's he's trying, and this what? Well, okay. You know, and so what we find out in the next in memorial, yeah. right, is that what he's trying to do is go back. Mm-hmm. Okay, like we don't understand exactly what he's doing with this, but it turns out that in retrospect, after you see the next episode, memorial, you look yeah. back on that and you go, okay. Well, th- so and that's what I'm saying. I was really impressed by the way they managed to tie these together. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. In a They're- way that they didn't that the original never managed to do from week to week. Yeah. It's, it's very clear that you can look back to this business and say, he's trying to, he's remember, he's sort of remembering the kids the way they were before Before he got shot. shot. Exactly. Yes. And they've changed and they've grown and they're growing up and he's having trouble like generating new memories of them. Yes. Like he wants to stick to thinking of them as like they were when he was all right. Yes. When he and he's trying to go back, but he can't. No, that's not the way. And that's works. what Memorial. And I mean, the tie, the way they tied that in with, with the, the killer. Episode, okay, with so the killer. Right, let's, let's get on to Memorial, which is. <laughs> I mean, I really I was so impressed with Memorial. It's it's a complete yeah fix it is a complete repairing in every way yeah like every problem we had with the original was addressed also like it doesn't have the like the endless recursive going like you think you watch this and then you go back and you think of how unbelievably padded the original was (laughs) oh 
And we complained at the time. Isn't that the one where I said, oh, I, you know, you looked at it and go, oh, when is oh, this so going to end? He keeps going back to his wife and abusing his wife over and over again. Like, do we really need this for the episode? And then it creates the question of it's like, well, why didn't his wife, like, why didn't they just watch the wife? Feels yeah. like they could have caught him a couple of times. It would appear. And then here, they've they've combined the wife and the lawyer into one character. Yes. One character who's not a complete idiot. And when she sees how messed up she is and hears about the murder, acts and responds in a completely rational way. Yes. You know, she's storming off from the Callum Rennie. And by the way, Callum Rennie's fantastic in this. Yes. He's yes. so good in this. But if you don't know who Callum Rennie is, well, we feel sorry for you because he's delightful. Um, maybe you never watched Do South, although I was about to say, can you watch Do South anymore? Like, is that is that watchable no, it, somewhere? No, it was on, it's probably on CBC Gem. I hope so, because, oh, Do South, such a good show. Anyway, Paul Gross and David Marciano didn't get along. David yeah. Marciano was delightful, and they wanted an American actor because of an American-Canadian co-production. David Marciano and Paul Gross didn't get along, and David Marciano didn't want to have to live in Vancouver, Toronto, wherever. I guess they shot in Toronto. Uh, and so he quit the show, and Callum Rennie came on, and they just, you know, the show began completely a Canadian production. Uh, yes. And it got a lot better. It's a fantastic show. And Callum Rennie was delightful as a replacement for... Uh, and by the way, one of the best bits of writing of replacing an actor ever. <laughs> but I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it if you haven't seen the show. Because I think people should watch the show. It's It really is a delightful show. But anyway, Callum Rennie is so good in this. And he's so good without a lot to play. Yeah. It, they don't give him a ton of scenes. But he's really no. good in it. Yeah, and I really liked the girlfriend. Oh, yeah. The sort of girlfriend, right? She's She knows he's falling apart. Yeah. And she, when the cops, she says it to them. Yeah. He's falling apart. I don't know where he is. Mm -hmm. I saw him and, you know, because she had gotten the heart. Yeah, so this she had gotten the heart tattoo, the same tattoo that the other members of his squad had, to feel closer to him and understand him. And, of course, he just finds that more torturous. Because yes, it reminds him of all of this awfulness. And it's like, and you see that thing where it's like she can't reach him and she does this thing to try and feel closer to him and yes. to try and show him that he's not alone. And it just pushes him further away because he cannot, he cannot cope with these memories. And she doesn't understand what's going on because he can't open up to her. Yeah. And so it is, it is fascinating. It is real. It's far more realistic than, than. The complaints we had about the the lawyer who had been part of his team. Yeah, who saw all you of know. this awful stuff and yet for some reason could not imagine for a second that he might be killing people. Like, how? How can you not see what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, it especially, and it's like, at when, so just someone is randomly serial killing all of the members of your relief group? Yeah. And it's like, but in combining them, uh, there was, like we said, like, um, just, it simplifies it if it's, there's not, his best friend was the one who had to kill his girlfriend, and then he was so tortured that this guy tried to protect him, and then t he tried to justify it by doing it to everybody else because he couldn't live the guilt of what he did. It's, 
I mean, that's fine as a character motivation. I'm not saying it's not, but it is so much clearer here. Yes. And it, it is just, a, and I, I, I think what was, okay, so four are dead. Yeah. Like four were killed in action uh, yeah. in his troop. Mm-hmm. Three, three more are now dead. Yep. And then, of course, and then of course, the fourth one. And then the fourth one. So eight. There's only so many left. Yeah. There's only like four people left or something. Yeah, and so she's, um, you know, yeah, so she's more willing to listen. And he's he's got the fifth one. Yeah, and they do find him. They track him down because she knows that he has this other place. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, everything makes more sense. It was just the scene between Cregan mm-hmm. and the soldier is so powerful. Yeah. Yes. It is bleak. Yeah. The more I'm thinking about it, it's rough. They don't want, because this is talking about extreme PTSD Mm -hmm. and how people didn't want that. You know, he said, here we are in a country and we're doing this. And the one female uh, soldier in their, their troops says, you know, they're talking to her and she says, but it was just horrible. We were, you know, fixing up the sewer systems and it was rank and, and he's talking about how, and they didn't even want us there. Yeah. And like, we said, think we're making these people's lives better. And they just want us gone. And they're willing to blow us up just because we're there. Yeah. And it's like all of these guys who believe these lies they were told by the government. That they were yeah. bringing freedom and democracy to Iraq. Yeah. And they were going to be welcomed with open arms. And it's like, who genuinely, these soldiers... Who like these aren't guys who ran in and killed people. These were engineers. These were yeah. guys whose job it was to, as they say, rebuild power grids and put together sewage plants, right? Yeah. And yet, you know, uh, they were seen just as guilty as all of the other Americans by the locals. Yes. So yeah, obviously that's gonna be rough on them. And then his girlfriend in the Red Cross gets, you know crushed under a pile of rubble when they blow up a hospital yeah and yeah it it completely broke him and you you totally believe callum rennie's performance in it yes and yeah and then you watch and cregan has those interesting discussions with susan yep right just discussion after about his brain and she says well yeah but it'll get better he said no it won't yeah, this part of my brain is, it's done. It's done. There is nothing that can be done. And I, you know, and he's, and so, and he says, and I don't know what to do. Oh, yeah, you know. And, and it, by the it, way, it, just like, can I say how blown away I was by like the fact that he's lied to people and he's, this is the first person he's told that he has this disability where he literally has no peripheral vision on his yes. left side. Yeah. Like, because that part of his brain was damaged. He literally, you can't fix it, that it's just gone. And so, yeah. and like, I don't know if you were paying attention, but, and this is the key, that's where the guy was standing when he shot him. If you, because they show it at the start of every episode. Yeah. The guy was standing to his left when he shot him, thus creating this idea that, because of the thing that happened to Dave, now he's never going to see that guy coming becomes 
Like it's this metaphor for the fact that now he will never be able to see that guy coming because that's where the guy was standing when he shot him. And I'm the more the fact that they put in that line and that connection makes me think that they were going to come back to that story at some point. Yeah, because to find out who exactly. And I think they and were I'm not saying his boss did it, but I'm not not saying Zach Grenier was the killer either. i don't know i don't know where they're going with this i'm just sure it's not going to happen this season which is you know kind of a tragedy because there's just the one season yeah it's never going to happen and it it is um i just no it's just when he's talking and this is this is the first time that he has tried to talk and he keeps talking to him because he, he because of his own experience understands what this guy is going through yep he keeps talking to him as because there's more than just susan and mark there and they are moving around and behind him yep he's keeping the calum rennie distracted yeah so they can move in and so that they can move in and then he talks to him and then the guy wants to kill himself yeah and dave talks him out of killing himself and he said, just put down the gun. That's no answer. I know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And the guy just crumbles and says, I want it to be like it was before. Yeah. And that is that. And that's exactly mind. what Dave has been doing to his kids. Yes. He's been I trying want... to turn back the clock. Yeah. And you can't. And you can't. And he's trying to cr- trap the kids and turn them into avatars of what he lost and get it back through them. And he realizes he's been trying to control his kids. So he shows up then after all of this, he shows up at his wife's, well, his old house, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it is his old house. But it's his, his old house. And she just says to him, the kids just want, she, she was surprised that he came back. Of course. And then she said, stop trying to do to something force this. else. Yeah. To force this. They, they, the girls just want to see that you're there when they get up. Well, and, and the thing he, is, right? Um, the the thing he said at the start of the episode, and this is what she calls back to, and it's so smartly done. Right? Yeah. Is at the start of the episode, he's so he has been called away from his daughters to go and look at these corpses out in the woods. Yeah. And so he goes and he looks at the corpses, but it's like after looking over the corpses, there's not anything for him to do. Yeah. Right? So it's just they're here, they're gonna be taken away by the Right. Uh, They're going to be taken away by the forensics. And it's not until they hear back from forensics that they're going to get, you know, their next lead and be able to go forward. They don't even know who these bodies are yet. There is nothing for Dave to do. And so Susan says, you know, go take your kids to a movie or whatever. And it's like, there's no reason to sit around here. It's supposed to be your day off. And he's like, and he says that he has a rule where every time something truly bleak happens at work, he doesn't want to touch his daughters for three days because he wants to keep the the parts of his life completely separate i'm like jesus christ day like the job you have how much time are you going to spend isolating yourself from your daughters right and that's what his wife calls him out on that he's like he's actively you like he does he this is him not caring what his daughters need yes and this you see and this is something that the original show could never engage with in the slightest. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. Now we understand what what the rift is and what the problem is. Yeah. Between him and his wife and the children. Because he Whereas voluntarily could, pulled we, himself away from their lives. Yeah. yeah. And we, you know, and we don't really, ne that's never addressed in the original Touching Evil. Nope. They never. never find out why he had to leave in the original Touching Evil. And we're like, we're getting so much more for from figuring out who Dave is just in this handful of episodes we've already watched than we ever yeah. got in the entire show touching evil in the original. Yes. And that is so good because, yeah. and it was so touching to see the girls are sleeping together in one bed mm -hmm. and he sleeps in the other bed rather than on the floor, yeah. which he did in, in the British yeah. version. Right. And this way and he'll be there when they wake up and he will just be there for them. Yes. And yeah. his wife is, is finally getting through to him, but it takes this this particular situation yeah. where this guy just says, I want it to be like it was. Yep. He needs to see in this killer, like just how broken the killer is. That's what makes him realize that he's exactly as trapped in the past as the killer was. Yes, and he's got to make new memories mm -hmm. and just forget about the past. He's got to learn a new way to live. Yeah. Because and the past isn't coming back. No. That's just he, not how anything works. All those memories seem to be are complete, almost all gone. Yep. And it's in terms of interaction and the rest of it. And so he's finally, it looks like, because his wife says, yes, come on in. Mm-hmm. And she was so surprised to see him come back. Oh, yeah. Um, and because, yes, he learned something. And this is the only time we've seen him try to talk. Well, the, the fire one, too, yeah. yes. See him talk to her, right? Yeah. But we finally um, got him to like engage with the killer and what's going on with the killer. And it works. He's not yes. terrible at it the way Dave is in the original. Because yeah. he's able to use his own experiences quite believably to like make it clear that he can understand what the killer is going through and he understands his pain. Yeah. Because he's got, he's in the same boat. Yeah. And of course the, the killer is much more sympathetic this time. There's yes. also that. Yeah. Well, yes, that's true. Doesn't go and beat up his wife. Doesn't know? go and beat up his wife. Doesn't kill some random kid. Doesn't go try to shoot up a funeral. Like, yeah, no, that was that's what was so good about the replacing the kid with the bar. Yeah. Right? Because he would have killed the, the barkeep right there. Exactly. Right? The the bartender. And yeah. but one of his one of his one of his buddies shows so, up. Yeah, shows up and just pulls him away. Yeah. And then he almost kills that guy, but you know, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, no, this episode did everything that the other one should have done. Yeah, and it's just have... such a giant, like it's an improvement to the point where you just like, you can't believe that they were able to take what, you know, all the stuff the original did wrong and do it so right. Yeah. Like, and it's, fixed it so it's understandable. They fixed it. They fixed it completely. You know, I don't want to oversell how good this show is because it's not like it's the best show we've ever watched, but it's like this moment of watching this show and seeing them 
fix everything about a show that we were so frustrated by. Like, that's so rare. That never happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, we don't watch. Again, I mean, the closest thing, because the thing is, it's like, you look at, um, again, the closest we've ever come to talking about this is, of course, Criminal Minds Korea. And, like, yeah. Criminal Minds Korea had the the benefit of, like, there was already 10 seasons of Criminal Minds, right? There was 10 seasons of Criminal Minds to pick from and a bunch of super fans got together and they said, okay, what are the absolute best episodes of Criminal Minds? And how can we then remix the best episode of Criminal best episodes of Criminal Minds, right, to make them even better? And so that's why Frank and uh, the Reaper became the same character. Yeah, right? because they never got to fully, for whatever reason, they never got to fully do what they should have been able to do with Frank, with Frank. And so they turned Frank and the Reaper into the same character to improve both of those characters. But they had, you know, 10, 11 seasons to pick from. <laughs> right? They had 300 episodes of this show almost to say, OK, well, what works absolute best? Right. So what is the absolute high points? And let's only let's take the cream of the crop. And let's remix it into something that people have never seen before. And it's like, wow, it's an incredible. Whereas these guys, they took an incredibly flawed show. And they saw, because it's like, I will be honest with you. Uh, you want you have me sit down and watch all, all three seasons of Touching Evil. I would have just washed my hands of it. Yeah, while we were watching, we thought of ways it could be better. But it's like, it's not the kind of thing that would motivate us to say... It, it is worth the effort to try and fix this. No, we would have washed our hands of it and just gone back to Cracker, you know? Yeah. yeah. And dismissed Paul Abbott completely. But the, the people who worked on this show, they saw the potential in Touching Evil and they're like, man, if this show had taken its characters seriously and let us into their heads, it really could have been something. Okay. And you and know what? Yeah, well, here's what's interesting. I'm looking at the series writing credits. Okay. Okay. And so it's really hard. Paul Abbott is called creator. Yeah, because he created the original. For the episode, basically one and two, right? right. Those episodes, that episode. Um, And then you have this writing credit and teleplay credit. Of course. And then you have, like, it's hard to tell who the showrunner is Generally, here. it'll be the person who wrote, who adapted the first episode. As a general rule, they're going to wind up being the showrunner. But it's really hard. So I'd have to go back to the first episode and, and look. check. But you you want to check if the person who wrote the, if the first person who wrote the first episode is listed as an executive producer going forward, generally yeah. that person is the showrunner. Now it's... Um, it it's different with a show like Criminal Minds where a guy sold a pilot and then they just turned it over to somebody else to run. But with a show like this where it was adapted for another thing, generally the guy they hire to adapt it is the person who's going to end up running it. Okay. Generally. So I will, can I say one thing? Bruno Heller actually wrote one episode. Oh, wow. Now, which one? Yeah, check which one Bruno Heller Because we love Bruno Heller. He created The Mentalist, which I maintain is the best uh, cop show ever made. Okay, so... The best episode. American procedural ever made. American style, obviously. Yeah. I'm not okay. putting it up against Cracker. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not insane, 
but I think The Mentalist is a delightful show. And it's like, if you, you, I've talked about it here in the past, but it's like, if you go for just a show that is, you know, American style, 40 minutes long, there's a bunch of detectives and every week they solve a crime, you're not going to do better than The Mentalist. Because again, yeah. uh, if you haven't seen it, you owe it to yourself to watch it. One of the best movies <laughs> a detective show has ever had. All right, what is okay. it? Go. Wait, Bruno Heller did the adaptation. Okay, of the so Bruder Heller was probably running this show, and is he yeah. the exec? Is he counted as the executive producer? Later on, okay. Like at all? I don't know. Okay. I don't well, know we'll what. watch the credits of an episode and we'll find out. But it wouldn't shock me if Bruno Heller was the one running this, considering the level of quality. But we will check to confirm this. So by yeah, next week, we're going to know who was running the show. And it wouldn't shock me if it was Bruno Heller, because the man is fantastic. Yeah. Like, okay, um, I don't think Gotham is a very good show. In fact, I think Gotham is a very bad show. But, like... Bruno Heller has done so so much incredible work, you know, with The Mentalist and with Rome, that I am more than likely to say um, the problems with the with the show Gotham might have to do more with him having to work with the dictates of what you know Warner Brothers wanted the show to be. Does yeah. That make sense. Like, yeah. I'm more likely to blame them for the show than him for the show, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Yes, co-executive producer. Okay. So yeah, we can we can probably credit Bruno Heller with a lot of why this show really works. Yeah. So yeah, if you're not familiar with Bruno Heller, again, he made Rome and he made The Mentalist. And if you made those two shows, you kind of get a pass for life. <laughs> yeah, you get a pass for life. And he was the executive producer on Pennyworth, and I really wish Pennyworth had continued. Oh yeah, it's much better than Gotham. I love Pennyworth. Yeah, really it good was show, weird. much better than Gotham. Weird, 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 but yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. He was co-executive. I think producer. he had a lot of freedom, more freedom there. You know, I think yeah. they had a lot more freedom in uh, with Pennyworth than they did with Gotham, which you know they were under clearly pretty strict mandates about what the show had to be. And I don't think it helped the show. Well, let me put it this way. It might be a Tim Minear thing. I still haven't managed to watch the fire fire shows that he does. Oh, like yeah. The LA yeah. And, then, and then the, what is it called? It's the fire. It's yeah, 911. It's 911, yeah. Yeah, and 911. You know, and, there's, and there's Houston now, and yeah. I'm just, well, yeah, okay, it's a steady job. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, no, job's a job, you know. Not every show is going to be the inside. <laughs> In fact, well, only the inside could be the inside. Just remember that his his Facebook and Twitter is canceled again. Right? I, <laughs> I mean, Dean no, worked on so, a lot of shows that went away, like great shows that went away. It was it was a real tragedy what kept happening to Tim Minear. Yeah, but you know what? He's found a lot of success making a show about emergency first responders. Yeah. And we say it's, good for him. But yeah, it is not a shock to find out. And I think that's the key part. It is not a shock to find out that one of our favorite, uh, you know, right. showrunners. Showrunners, yeah. Might be the one, in fact, is likely the one who is responsible for this show completely turning around. Yeah. And that's the key part. It is completely turning around the original. Yeah. And it was, it's so sad it didn't go. Yeah. 
Like but we got the mentalist. So we got the, the mentalist. We got you know um, Rome. We got uh, actually no. He had already had he already done Rome at this point. No, no. Rome is two thousand and five. This is two. Oh, this is what he. This is what he did directly before Rome. Oh wow. Yeah, and so then he did show that had to be some kind of a. I mean, people had to understand that he was he, doing this great job out there because he got Rome yeah. after this. And then he did the Mentalist. Then he did the Mentalist, and Mentalist is delightful. And then he did Gotham, which is not a good show. Then he did Pennyworth. He did something in between too, but yeah, Pennyworth. Then he did Pennyworth. I, I just I wish and I'm excited would. to see whatever he decides to do next because again, we're we're big fans of the man here. And the only question is, like, does he get the room to do what he wants, and does he get the room to do interesting things, and? You know, sometimes he does. And sometimes you get like the absolute, I don't know what I'm watching weirdness of Gotham. <laughs> show got so strange. All right. Uh, but hey, you, you know what? Back. The Penguin was fun. I'm not going to pretend the Penguin wasn't fun. But it makes you go back. It's it's like so many of the other ones. What was the other one? Um Oh, 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 with, oh, God, I can't remember. Oh, and Ivy, and never mind. I watched it, too. Like, it's really funny. Every now and then, just for a breath of fresh air, I go back and watch um, Michael Keaton doing Batman. Oh, I know. Just that first one, just because it's such a relief. It is. It's just a delightful movie. You know. It really is. Yeah. No, and it's funny when you're watching, right? Gotham, where you're like, um, I, I hate to say, but it's like the way they keep burning through supervillains. I'm just like, what is there left for Batman to do when he becomes Batman? <laughs> you know? Like I feel like everything's kind of been wrapped up by the point he becomes Batman. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, Gotham, Gotham is, I don't know. I watched it. I admit that I, yes, it had all sorts of problems. <laughs> <laughs> I still watched it. Yeah. Right to the end. Wasn't happy. <laughs> Wasn't happy necessarily, but we, <laughs> we don't talk about Marvel. We're not talking about uh, Marvel and DC. No, no, not at all. No, we're not going to do a podcast about Marvel and DC as much as I watch all those. That's, there's been plenty of those out there. They don't need us. No, they don't need us. Yeah. And people can argue forever. Oh, yeah. About them. Um, so, oh, totally. And the same thing with Star Trek. and. Oh, yeah. All. Now, Babylon 5? That we could talk about I forever. Wonder, yeah. I wonder if there's a podcast about Babylon 5. Oh, there 5. definitely are podcasts about Babylon 5. But uh, we'd have to check into it. But yeah, uh, it's you, it is that's the kind that. of thing you can just talk about indefinitely because of what a great job they did. Put it like a uniquely great job they did. There's nothing like Babylon Five out there, and there never has been. You know, there uh, nothing that perfectly planned and perfectly executed, except for the lack of one actor in the final season. Yeah, well, and you can say, well, they, didn't they lose their main actor? Yeah, and then he rewrote the entire show and redid the entire plan, and it worked just as well or better than it ever had before. So, I'm fine with that. 
Okay, so there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight so far that what I are can we talking about the ten best. So there's a lot of you're right. There's a lot of Babylon Five podcasts. Oh yeah, no, like I said, like there's no way there wouldn't be. No, no question. It's it's Babylon Five. Like every, it's, it's one of those things. It's not like us going back and watching wise guy, a thing that people just don't talk about enough. Everybody knows how good Babylon five is. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. Okay. This one talks about crusade in the movies and the novels. See, this is what I'm talking about. It's hard to find the novels. It is. They're all out of print. And as he says, like, uh, they won't let him reprint them. Warner Brothers is like, as you listen to J. Michael Straczynski, and he's like, yeah, fun fact, there's like people at Warner Brothers who actively hate Babylon 5 and don't want it to continue. You know, and like he, like the, and I know this sounds crazy, but according to him, literally, there is, had there not been like one person, like he could have had new versions of Babylon 5 and all that a decade ago, except for the fact that there was one executive at Warner Brothers who just hates Babylon 5. There's literally someone who actively doesn't want the show to do well and doesn't want to make money from Babylon 5 because there would have been plenty of money making Babylon, new Babylon 5. People love Babylon 5. But like one guy just hates Babylon 5. And that guy finally left, and that's why they started working on a Babylon 5 reboot. Because <laughs> the one guy who hates it finally, you know, wasn't working there anymore. But yeah, if if there's a story, and I mean, I'm not saying we're ever going to be able to talk to Brunner Heller, but I would love to find out the story of why this didn't continue. I'm going to check the ratings, I'm going to check what else was on... Um, was on... Uh, USA Network at the time because it's like this show should have kept going I uh, look we haven't had a problem so far we haven't had one episode where we're like oh no that hasn't happened once well we're going to see what they do next time oh yeah what are the two next episodes I should ask yeah the horse mutilation one okay and then after being released from prison, a serial killer begins targeting young women and breaking their necks. Ah, so this, so what they've done is taken this, so this is where the, the father, father of the victims, yes. Yeah. Uh, and the father the decides to target Dave's family. Yeah, yeah. So that's what this this is going to be. It's called, so the next episode is called K. Okay. And then that episode is called Love Lies Bleeding. Okay. So yeah, next week, Kay and Love Lies Bleeding. And hey, just uh just a quick mention, Bradley Cooper showed up as Mark, doing a perfectly good job. Yep, yeah, he's just fine. Uh much more active character than the original Mark. Not uh not so uh not confident and wishy-washy the way Mark was. <laughs> uh so we'll see. Is is he gonna get killed by in that uh when they do the Andy Circus episode? Who knows? But he's definitely there and he's definitely making a good impression. The year before he got the show alias. Yeah, so forget he was in alias, but yeah, that's that's what first brought him to the public's attention. Well, now what's interesting is that that all of these people seem to have 
done well by themselves. Oh yeah, everybody did perfectly fine after being in this show. Because it it must be that everybody recognizes that it's good and yeah. it is that everybody's doing a great job. It seems like everybody who worked on this show went off and did a great like did well afterwards. Yeah. And that's great to see, but it's one of those things where it's like I wish they could have kept doing great on this show. <laughs> But that's that, just Yeah, I know. Now and it was in April. It April and May. Well, okay. So and into what? June. It went to it went from March twelfth to June fourteenth, two thousand and four. Okay. You know, as I said, my life was a mess then. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So and there's I, no I guess way I literally like got alias right away after this show. Like yeah. He went and he shot that pilot right after this show, you know, wasn't getting picked up. Or yeah. maybe like before they knew whether it was going to get picked up for another season. Because that kind of thing happens a lot. That was my favorite story. I was listening to this a wonderful podcast with um, Nestor Carbonell, right? Uh, who, hey, who was on um, uh, Bates Motel with Vera Farmiga. But anyway, uh, and he was talking about being on Lost. How, like, they would never commit to making him part of the cast. And you know how much more money you get paid for if yeah. you're part of the cast than if you're a guest star. It's like, you get paid six times as much money per episode if you're in the cast. And so, like, they would never commit to making him, like, he was Richard, the guy on Lost, who was, like, immortal? Yeah. <laughs> like, who just was on the island forever? Yeah. Very yeah. interesting character. and But because it was Lost, they never knew what they wanted to do with anything. So he was like, uh, so every year he would go and he would shoot a pilot, you know, but he would beg them not to kill him off unless his pilot got picked up. <laughs> so no, it, like pilots are never a guarantee. I don't know. And so he ended up only getting made a cast member for like the last season. Yeah. Oh man. And then, uh, and then of course the guys who made Lost loved him so much that when they were doing um, Bates Motel, they brought him back. So, yeah, it all worked out very well for Nestor Carbonell, who for us will always be Batman well from The Thing. Not The Thing, The Tick. Yeah. From the incredibly short-lived Fox version of The Tick before we got the much better Amazon version of The Tick. <laughs> Patrick Warburton was fine. It's just, you know, the Amazon version is a much better show that is much more true to the comic books and the old cartoon. Uh, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to wrap things up until next week. Sorry we're so digressive. Um, it's just that there's, there really is nothing much to talk about except how much better. We've already yeah, just... We've, all time. we can do here is say, hey, remember when we watched that episode? Here's a much better version of it. Here's why it's a lot better. Let's move on. No. I, like, we're not rewriting. We're not doing backseat, you know, script doctoring here. We love what they're doing. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's an improvement in every respect. So, you know, yeah, like, wh what are we supposed to say? We're supposed to start pointing out stuff just to point stuff out? No, that's not why we're here. We're here to just appreciate when somebody just gets it right in a way that so rarely happens. So, yeah, uh, we really do tip our caps to what they're accomplishing here. It, it's and, so good. And and it's Bruno Heller that must be making the difference. And oh, he's yeah. great. Yeah, Bruno Heller and whoever his team is, which is something else we're going to look into. Yeah. But yeah, oh, Bruno Heller's so good. The Mentalist is so good. 
It gets dismissed by people as just another one of those CBS mystery shows, but it's it's so much better than that. Oh yeah, when you it watch really it, is so when much you better. watch it streaming. Oh yeah. Like, you know when you can watch if you have some time and you just watch it. Watch a, few a bunch of episodes in a row. Yeah. But yeah, like um, again, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, maybe the most unique and interesting main character detective shows ever had, because he's actually a villain. You know, he's not a good guy. No. And it's so rare that a show is really willing to embrace that concept. Yeah, and it's just he kind of, kind of finally, as he ages. Yeah. And as things get settled, he sort he of grows down, and he grows. Yes, finally. But yeah, he can and, let go. Yeah, and there's there's so much stuff going on behind the scenes in that episode, in that show, because there's one episode where, again, um, where uh, they a case get a thing gets thrown out of uh, uh, get out of court because he has broken into someone's uh, broken into someone's apartment illegally to look for evidence, and then uh, right used the illegal stuff he did to find evidence to essentially make it look like he knows more about the guy than he actually does. And then the fun part about that is then you have to realize, so wait, off camera, this character is constantly just committing crimes and breaking into places. Yeah. To make it seem like, seem like he knows more than he does. And then you're like, oh, right. He's not trustworthy. No, not at all. He and, just manipulates uh, people to to his own ends, and he gradually grows into a better person. But he starts out real bad. For uh, I mean, again, uh, it's he, he did the first thing that happens in the first episode is he talks somebody into killing their husband, <laughs> and that's the first episode of the show. Yes, well, it managed to catch the imagination because yeah. because the actor. Oh yeah, was so. Well, Simon Baker is so fantastic. Yes. Like he really you know. is. He, he's he does an amazing job in that show. All right, so uh, we're going to be back here next week with more touching evil, which we absolutely adore. And hopefully, you know what they've got. Uh, this was episode six. They've got thirteen. So, like I said, we got three more of these, and then we're going to have a last episode where we watch the last ever episode of Touching Evil, and then just look back at and compare the two shows. And I think we know how that's going to go. <laughs> Imagine how bad the next six episodes would have to be for yeah. us to not just talk, like, for our recap episode to not just be, wow, it was so much better than the original. Okay, that'll be a 10-minute episode. I know, right? I'm sure we can digress. Oh, no, I, we're, we're going to talk. I'm sure we'll end up talking a lot about the original and go, like, beat for beat why this was so much better. Yeah. But the fact is, it's kind of strange that in the original... Right, the two main characters, the two people who played the main characters, right after doing that show, each got onto a much better show. Yeah, it's funny, eh? Whereas here, right, the people, everybody who worked on this, worked on shows, like, immediately became super famous for doing other things. So it's like, say what you will, both shows did launch their casts to bigger and better things. It's yeah. just... One was a much better show than the other. 
All right, uh, so that's that. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you'd like us to check out, drops line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you have, uh, if you listen to this on an app or podcatcher, please be, remember to rate and review. That's how people find the show. We're going to see you here next week for episodes, depending on how you're counting them, uh, uh, six and seven or seven and eight, but we've already told you the titles. If you can manage to go somewhere illegal and watch the show, which is just what I'm encouraging now. Uh, so enjoy that. We'll see you back here for more, but until then I'll say that's right. Au revoir. Have a good week.